Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is that you're watching with us. Welcome to Victory Church, Victory Church Online for all of our online family. So excited to have you. Welcome to those who are with us. Come on, let me hear you real quick if you're with us today. Come on and give us a little shout, a little love in the place this morning. We are happening. We're having church. And so in, in 2021, you're either having church personally in the building or you're having church online. Regardless, the word is going Fourth, and we're so excited about that, so excited that you decided again to join us, whether it's Sunday morning that you're watching or whether it's throughout the week, maybe you're listening on to a podcast. Uh, we just call you family, and we're so glad to be together. I do want to say a couple of things real quick. First is this. If you are visiting with us, whether you are in person or whether you're watching online, I want to encourage you to do us a favor and text. It's coming up on the screen, VICTORY18 to 31996, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be sent a connection card digitally. And if you'll fill that out, that'll give us some information about you, and we can kind of reach out and connect to you, connect with you, answer any of your questions, and just try to do our best to move you forward uh, in continuing to get to know your Victory Church family. So when you get a chance, do that. Text Victory18 to us so that we can get that information. Um, also, real quick, just want to let you know, in case you've been watching for the past couple weeks and maybe even on our social media, and you have seen that we are starting a discipleship class now, what that is, is that's a very small group of people that we're asking to meet in person where we are going to look really deep into the scriptures of how to make disciples, how to be a disciple, and, and it's going to be incredible. It's six weeks long. We're meeting at the YMCA here in Smyrna, uh, going through some pretty hardcore scripture, Q&A, different things, and, and here's, here's the catch. Depending on when you're listening to this, depending on when you're watching this, it may already be too late, but as I'm recording this today, uh, we only have five more spots open for the discipleship class. And that's exciting. People just immediately jumped on that. Obviously, the crowd is a little bit smaller due to uh, social distancing guidelines and those different things. But people are excited about it. Now, here's the good news. If you go to register and you find out that it was too late and that the number in the class is already full, we are going to do the exact same thing in the fall. And then we're hoping to continue that twice a year moving forward uh, until everybody that calls themselves a part of the Victory family uh, can be able to go through this and not only learn how to be a disciple, but how to make a disciple will also be recording some of it so that it's made available online to, to anybody, any of our church family. We have a lot of church family that watches from different cities and different states, and we want to make that information available to you as well. And so that'll be rolling. But again, that in person, there's nothing like it. You can ask questions, get answers, have that fellowship. So it's exciting. I want to say thank you to all of you who have already registered. That means the world to me that you're excited about this. Those of you that are you're excited and you go, oh, I've been meaning to do that. Go do it now before it's too full and you can't be a part of it until the fall. Amen, church? Amen. You ready for the word? All right, we're in a series called The Journey, and we've been going through the book of John, kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we've shared this a lot in case you've been with us. As come Easter, we'll bring this series to a close on Easter Sunday, and then we will open up a brand new series the next Sunday where we will study through the book of Acts, and that series will be called Believe. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of John, and we're in chapter 16 today. So John chapter 16. Uh, if you haven't been able to watch the past couple weeks, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen or watch. We've talked about Jesus is the only way. We've talked about uh, how, to, how to pray, how to, how to know you're praying right, and how to get the reward of prayer. Last week, we talked about our schedules and how to reclaim our rhythm and to make sure that we're spending our day purposefully. And it's really interesting because in all of those messages, you've kind of seen the DNA or, or, the, or the, the vein run through about being in God's will and God's kingdom. And you're even going to 
to see that in today's message. Uh, but that's just kind of what's happening. Jesus is getting ready to leave. That these, these last few chapters are, are just a matter of a, of, of, a, of a little bit of time frame where Jesus is prepping to leave the disciples and go be in heaven, and he's kind of preparing them on what to expect and how to act and different things. And so he's talked about how he's the only way. He's talked about how to pray. He's talked about you know, just your rhythm and how to remain in him. And he introduces somebody today that I really want to spend some time talking about because uh, it's possible, especially if you live in the South, it's possible that you have, have heard some type of information about this person. And it's even possible that maybe you have some misunderstandings about this person. And so I want to kind of lay some simple details and hopefully it'll really encourage you today. So John chapter 16, we'll start at verse 1. And remember that everything Jesus is saying is prepping his disciples for the fact that he's getting ready to leave. So he says, I've said all these things to keep you from falling away. Everything he said in John 15 and 14 and 13, he said, I've said all of this so that because I'm leaving and there will be persecution, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, and there will be all these different issues, I don't want you to fall away from the, what you believe. So I've said these things. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Like even religious people are going to be coming at you and persecuting you. He said, indeed, watch this, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And we even live in a culture like that today. There are people out there that would kill us and think they're offering a service to God. So he's literally saying, this is going to be hard for you, especially a Christ follower. It's going to be hard for you to be a Christ follower. He says, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. So he says, people who act like that, they don't really know me, nor do they know the Father. Goes on to say, but I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So in other words, while you are in the middle of persecution, hopefully you will remember these things that I've told you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Now that is a powerful statement. Jesus says, I didn't teach you. I didn't say a lot of these things to you because I knew I would physically be with you. So I knew that when persecution would come or hardship would come or confusion would come or misunderstanding would come, you could just look to me and find the answer. So I'm saying this to you now because why? I'm getting ready to leave. He said, but, but now I'm going to him who sent me to God and none of you ask me, where are you going? I love this. Jesus gets kind of petty for a minute. He's like, none of you are asking me, where am I going? Like, and why are you not asking that? Because I've said these things to you and sorrow has filled your heart. He says, you're so worried about you that you haven't even bothered to ask what's happening to me. And, and it was true. They, they were truly worried because of what they believed about Jesus and, and all they had given up for Jesus. And now Jesus says, I'm leaving. And you can't imagine the fear. And then this is our last verse. I thought this, was, this kind of introduces our topic today. Jesus goes on to say, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's better for you that I leave. Because if I do not go away, the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go, I send him to you. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I leave. And it's because the fact that I'm leaving means that someone else is coming. He refers to him as the helper, also known as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or whatever your, race, your, your religious background might be. And he says, it's good for you that he's coming because he's a person. And if I don't go, he won't go, won't come. But because I am going, I send him to you. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning from the idea, don't worry, it's included. 
Don't worry, it's included. Uh, just to kind of set up the idea real quick, Darla and I a couple years ago took our kids to Disney, and I am extremely cheap. Uh, that's just a fact. I'm, I'm really good at saving money, but I'm also really cheap. Every time she says anything to buy, I'm like, do we need it, though? And she's like, it's toilet paper. And I'm like, but do we need it, though? You know, like, can we recycle towels and shirts? I'm joking, guys. Chill out a little bit, okay? But, but you know, you're just kind of, you're always testing everything. So, so she planned this whole trip for us to take our girls to Disney. She did a phenomenal job. And, and there were all these things that were included in it, from meal plans to, you know, to, I mean, Disney's cups that we got that we were able to refill. It was just crazy. Um, um, and one day we're standing in line. It was our first meal that we were getting ready to eat. And every time I've ever gone to a theme park, I've had to pay for the food on spot. And you all know that it is from the devil. Like they, they, they raise the prices up to an ungodly amount. And so we're standing in line and I'm looking at the menu and I'm trying to figure out how our family can eat the cheapest way possible. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, if we all just cut a burger four ways, like it's possible that we could eat for only $100. And so, you know, you're just kind of processing through everything. And she can tell that I'm getting a little worried about the prices and all that. And she leaned over to me, baby, and she said, hey, don't worry, it's included. And it was like at that moment where I realized like, hey, you mean I've already paid for this stuff? Like, like because of what I've already paid for, I get anything that I want on the screen. I got so excited because it was already included. Amen? Listen to me. You and I can be certain that if God has something for us, it has to be good. Matter of fact, we need it and we should want it. It has to be good even if, watch this, even if we do not fully understand it. If God has something for us, it has to be good, we have to need it, and we should want it, even if we don't fully understand it. Can I give a little disclaimer for a moment? There are going to be many things in your relationship with God from this point to the time that you pass away and walk into heaven that you will not understand. But if it's from God, it's good. Amen? So, so, so put yourself in this situation, all right? I was thinking this through. The disciples have followed Jesus for multiple years. They have seen him perform miracles. They have seen him pray these prayers of authority. They have seen him, uh, you know, flip tables in the synagogue. They've seen him do all these miracles and healings. They've seen him kind of, you know, put the religious people in their place. Uh, the disciples have left their jobs. They have distanced themselves from their families, and they've basically become uh, wanted fugitives, all for Jesus. And now Jesus says, I'm going. I I'm leaving. I got to go. And not only am I leaving, but there is another person coming to take my place. And not only is there another person coming to take my place, it's actually better for you if this person comes and I leave. Can you imagine that? You've quit your job. You've, you've distanced yourself from your family. You have become, you've got kicked out of your church more than likely. You are a wanted fugitive. People want to kill you. And the whole reason that is, the individual that you're following, the agenda that you've been all for, the gentleman looks at you and says, hey, I'm leaving. And not only am I leaving, but there's another guy coming. Well, who's the other guy? What if I don't believe in what he's talking about? What if, what if I'd like to go back to my family? I can't get my old fishing job back. You used my boat to preach. 
You know what I mean? It's like, what is happening right now? And then he says to you, he has the audacity to say to you, not only am I leaving, not only is somebody else coming, but watch this, it's actually to your advantage that I go and that he comes. If you really grasp that, if you sit down for a second and you really put yourself in that position, what this obviously means is that there is a large gap between what we read about the Holy Spirit and what we are seeing present in today's churches and some Christians. There, there has to be. If Jesus actually said to his disciples, it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than for me to be here in person, then I don't know about you, but that means that there's a massive gap. There, there's a massive issue. There's a misunderstanding in most uh, churches and in most Christians because we are not operating daily as if it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have human Jesus, right? So I wanted to do my best today to answer this question that, that if, if you have any kind of knowledge of the Holy Spirit, if you've ever heard of the Holy Spirit, if you've ever had somebody try to talk to you about the Holy Spirit or a pastor preach on the Holy Spirit, it's possible that you ask this question. Um, it's possible that you've never asked this question. It's okay if you didn't. I'm still going to answer it for today. And here's the question. Why, why do I want the Holy Spirit? Why? Why, why do I want? If I have Jesus, then why do I want the Holy Spirit? So let's start by going back to John chapter 16, verse 7, because this will be our foundational verse um, Jesus actually leads up to John 16 multiple times, assuring of the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. But in John 16, he's going to give us three things specifically, specifically that uh, are reasons that we want him. And so, but this is our foundational verse. So it says in John 16, verse 7, it is to your advantage, right? It's what he said. It's to your advantage that I go away, I being Jesus. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the disciples had to be thinking, how is it possible that it's better for me to give up a human Jesus for a spirit that I can't even see, right? Like, like how, how is that better for me, for you to take human Jesus from me, and then in return, I get a spirit that I cannot see? This is why I believe when it comes to Christian, to the Christian faith, I don't think that there is a subject more essential and more intimidating than the Holy Spirit. When it comes, you know, a lot of times people just don't want to talk about it, right? Like, can we just, let's just, let's just kind of move him aside for a moment. Let's not talk about him um, because he's a little intimidating, a little confusing. I don't really quite get some things. And so can we know, I, we got Jesus. I understand Jesus. Jesus died for me. I got Jesus. And yet here Jesus is saying how essential the Holy Spirit is. And so it's because of all of this, this tension of I don't understand him, yet Jesus says it's essential that I have him that causes me to think that this is the subject. This is the subject. Don't turn off this sermon. This is the subject that, that in the Christian faith is both the most essential and the most intimidating subject, and that's the Holy Spirit. Give you some of the reasons. Some of us might be intimidated by the fact that he's often referred to as the Holy Ghost. Right? I don't know about you. I don't like ghosts. 
I've, I've never, I mean, I don't even like Casper. You know what I'm talking about? Like, even he's funny looking. He has no legs. And so, like, there's just, there's just this deal. I mean, naturally, we don't like ghosts. So there's this strange weirdness that we get when people start talking about, well, do you have the Holy Ghost? And it's like, huh? Right? And, and, and here's, let me, let me kind of bring that down for a second and take away some of the intimidation of that. The, the deal for that is that when the Bible was written in its original text, there, there was the term, when it talked about the Father God and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the, the original text, it was very difficult for people to translate it, those who were translating it, to our language. They couldn't get one word for what the phrase was. So the phrase to identify the Holy Spirit in the original text was this, the breath of God. So it was God, Jesus, and the breath of God. But, but it was too hard, you can see, to take that and make it one word. So in the process of translating it, we got Holy Spirit, we got Holy Ghost, but it was the breath of God. So if you've ever been intimidated by the fact that it's referred to as the Holy Ghost, you think that's spooky or you think that, do away with that. What it, what it really is is the breath of God. That's who he is. He is the breath of God. Uh, another um, misconception that could, could lead to intimidation is, is the connection to, to the word Pentecostal. Uh, we, we've all kind of heard that, right? It's, it's the day of Pentecost. It's Pentecostal. A lot of times people who are filled or embrace the Holy Spirit are Pentecostal. And so we get kind of intimidated by that because we know some Pentecostal people, right? So we think, does that mean I'm going to have to wear a lot of makeup? Or does that mean I'm not going to be able to wear makeup at all? Like, you know, if I, if I embrace the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Do I have to have, you know, a certain height, a bun of hair? Like, like what does that mean? And even that has been perverse in a way because the original word Pentecost was the holiday that celebrated the descending of the Holy Spirit on the disciples as Jesus ascended. So that's the connection of the word Pentecost and Pentecostal. So again, we've kind of taken that out of context, but it's not a scary word. It doesn't mean you have to look anyway. You're welcome to wear as much makeup as you want or as little as you want. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with what you look like. It's the fact that on that day, which means 50, it was 50 days later, it's a, it's a holiday that celebrates the, the, the descending of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. It's a lot less scary, right? Or maybe the word charisma or charismatic tends to get us a little shaky. But the word charisma literally means div divine enablement. Divine enablement. So, so that charisma, God giving you charisma or you, or you being charismatic doesn't mean that you're going to run and shout and jump. You can if you're athletic, but it doesn't mean you're going to. It doesn't mean you're going to handle snakes. It doesn't mean charismatic means that you are being enabled by divinity, right? That's what it means. So let's tear, tear down these, these stereotypes of the Holy Ghost or Pentecostal, charismatic, and let's understand that all of these things and its origin meant the breath of God. It meant the, the, the time we're celebrating the descending of the Spirit. It meant I am divinely enabled. It meant that God is moving in me. Now, some of you say there, there's some other things, Pastor, you hadn't talked about yet. For example, a lot of people talk about the Holy Spirit being boldness and I hear people talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I thought there was just water baptism, and now there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, there's always, if you're in the South, the elephant in the room, which tends to be the, the evidence of the speaking in tongues. And I want to assure you real quick, 
In a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk in depth about that, about what does it mean, baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, what, what does it mean by boldness, speaking in tongues. I'm going to talk about all of that. I just don't have time to talk about it today because I have so much I want to talk about today. And so in our, in our series after Easter, we will go into Acts, and I believe it's Acts 2, that will really start to kind of open that up. So if that's an interest to you, make sure to stay tuned for the next couple of weeks and, and catch that message. But, but I don't want to get off on that right now because I really want to set up for you what Jesus is saying in John 16. Because in John 16, Jesus lays out characteristics of the Holy Spirit that made him say, uh, this is why it's so important, and this is why he is an advantage to having you. You see, it's possible that something that you experienced, it's possible that something you were taught abused the Holy Spirit's identity or created a stereotype or just flat out led you to misunderstanding who he is therefore causing you to ignore him altogether. And that's the danger. The danger, and I would even say the scheme of the enemy, is confusing who the Holy Spirit is and spookifying him. I almost named this message despookifying Jesus. Because if we can spookify it, then we will ignore it and we will miss out on the benefits of him, right? I started thinking about this. I started thinking about some of my first experiences in a, an atmosphere that was uh, at least being claimed to having been filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't say he was there or he wasn't there. That's, that's not for me to know. But I, just certain experiences. I remember this one time, Darla and I were out of town with our church staff, and we were visiting this church in another state. And they, they were into, uh, I don't want to sound disrespectful in any way, but they were into like the ministry of where they would pray for you and people would fall down, right? That, that ministry where they believed that the power of the Holy Spirit was causing people to fall down. And again, no judgment. I mean, when I tell my stories, you'll see I've seen it both ways. But uh, we were sitting there on the front row. I'll never forget this. The, 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 one of the prayer guys came down and he prayed for the woman. This woman had one of those big Sunday church hats on, you know what I'm talking about? Real big, looked like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. And so she was sitting there and, and, and the guy prayed for her. And when he prayed for her, first of all, I saw this two times. He prayed for one woman and nobody was there to catch her because they're supposed to have catchers, right? There's these guys that like their spiritual gift is they're catching, right? So you got like NFL stars out there like, I got her. And nobody was there to catch her and she fell and she hit the ground and it was like, dude. And we were like, Oh no, like, you know, like, that's not good. Uh, and then they got ready to pray for this next lady. I'll never forget this in my life. She fell down and she was right at my feet because we were sitting down in the pew in the front row and her, her head was right at my feet. And when she fell down or, or the guy helped her down, uh, her hat fell off and she's, she's out, right? Supposedly, and this is what she did. She went, and she found her hat, and she brought her hat back to her chest. I was like, baby, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Like, you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit was like, all right, let's pause for a second. Let's get your hat, and then we'll get back to operating. It, it was crazy. I, I remember one time in our church in Memphis, uh, they brought this guy in to preach, and, and that was one of his ministries. He would go around and, and pray for people, and they would fall down. And, and please hear what I'm saying. I don't know what was happening between God and those individuals. I can only tell you what was happening, you know, in me, obviously. And so he, this guy's preaching, and I was on staff, and I'm on the front row, and he comes over to me, and I, to this day, I don't know if he was trying to make me fall or if he was just trying to use me as an example, but he walked up, and he, he said some words to me, and I mean, as hard as, and this was a big man, as hard as he could, he got me right on the forehead and just palmed my head. My whole body flipped back, you know what I mean? I was like, ah, nothing happened to me except like a little bit of whiplash, but it was just quite an experience, and so watch this. You see how these experiences build up, right? And I'm starting to get a little bit like, because I was new to faith in certain time frames of this. So one time I get invited to speak at this youth 
service event. And, and the idea, the whole thing was there were different cultures there. There were different pastors there with different cultures and all this. And so I preached one night, another pastor preached one night, another pastor preached one night. The last night, we're all there because I just wanted to be there to see it. Uh, actually, some of, my, some of my band members were playing in the band, so I was there with them. And the altar time starts to happen. And the pastor uh, that was preaching comes down and he grabs the pastor of the youth group that, that where we were at and he looks at me and he's like, come here. I was like, okay. So I come out, you know, and, and he puts me and we're on both sides of him and we're walking through and, and we're praying for people. And now while we're doing this, I'm flat out panicking because I'm like, I don't, is this God? I don't know if this is God or not, right? So I'm just kind of walking going like, Lord Jesus, heal her, heal her, Jesus. We get to this one kid and they're like up in like a ball and the guy's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's throwing up the demonic spirits. And I was just like, somebody need to get him a trash can then. Like, well, this is, this is terrible. And so I'm, I'll be honest with you. I was so detached from it because I was trying, I had never seen anything like this before. And, and so we're just going through, we're going through and my, my spiritual daughter, our spiritual daughter, uh, she was there. Her name is Caitlin. And, and Caitlin is not, she doesn't play games. She doesn't go along with stuff. Like she, she loves the Lord and she's real deal, holy field. And so we were coming down the middle aisle and they start going towards her. And I'm like, oh goodness, it's not gonna be good because they're gonna get to her and then she's gonna be like, nothing happened and this is gonna be kind of weird. And so I'm panicking the whole time and I'm praying and we're coming down the aisle and you can see it in her eyes. She's kind of like, like, you know, you come, you and, and we get to her, and these guys start praying, and she drops to the ground. She just goes to the ground. I talked to her afterwards, and she was like, she's like, I saw y'all coming towards me, and I was thinking like, oh, no, no, no. And she said, next thing I knew, I woke up, and I was on the ground. Like, it's just, it's just crazy experiences. Like, I, I, you know, again, everything God has for you is good, whether you can fully understand it or not. And so I'm just telling you that when we have these certain experiences, depending on what they're like, right? Depending on who it is that's orchestrating them, depending on what we believe, these experiences, if we're not careful, will shape what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And if they're negative experiences, it'll move us into a place to where we choose to ignore him moving forward, right? It's all about, well, what has your experience been? For some of us, we're new to church and we've never had an experience. For some of us, we grew up in church and we, we, you know, Sunday night was, was normal to see people running around and just going crazy for Jesus. It's all about what you have experienced, right? But here's what I want you to understand more than anything. While I do believe, and, and, and you'll hear me talk more about that in Acts, but while I do believe that God can, God can and will and has been behind incredible movements like that, here's, I, wanna, I want you to understand what God's real purpose for the Holy Spirit is. And here it is. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that he, Jesus, could go from being beside the disciples to being inside the disciples, all right? He, he sent the Holy Spirit because all this time, three years, Jesus has been beside them. He's been human. He's 100% God, but he's 100% man. So, so God, the Trinity, came into form of Jesus, and now Jesus is with the disciples. He's with them. He's beside them. So they're watching him, and he's doing these things, and Jesus said, I've got to go because of what I'm asking you to do the plan that I have for you, I can no longer be beside you. Because if I'm beside you, then you'll want me to do all the work. So I have to leave from being beside you, and through the Holy Spirit, I will now be inside you. And watch this. The disciples will go from watching Jesus perform miracles, from watching Jesus pray boldly, from watching Jesus quote scripture with authority, 
to now experiencing Jesus, do it through them, right? So Jesus said, look, I want you to do these things. I want you to share the gospel. Look, the more you study the life and ministry of Jesus, he, was, he, he stayed in a small area. There were not everybody in the world didn't get to experience Jesus in person. But Jesus said, I want everybody in the world to be able to experience the power of God and the authority of God and the message of God and the anointing of God. So I have to leave from beside you so that now I'll be inside you so that no matter where you live, so that people in Smyrna, Tennessee, people in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Antioch, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia, California, Alaska, can all operate in the power of God because he's not beside me anymore. Because if he was with us in body form today, then he can't be somewhere else. But Jesus said, I'm leaving, and the Holy Spirit is coming, and the Holy Spirit is Jesus and is God, and now he's in you, and now you can preach with authority, and now you can pray with boldness, and now you can experience miracles, and you need this. You need it. You need him, and it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage because people will come to know Jesus and be saved. It's to your advantage because you'll be able to impact people around you and in your life. It's to your advantage. Now, here's what I think you have to understand more than anything when, when you can really step back and go, okay. So Jesus had to go so that now instead of being beside me, he's now inside me. Now I can operate. And when you start to watch, when you start to see that most of the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to put you in position to now do the work of God, you now understand while the enemy's number one goal would be to get you to a place where you are so freaked out about the Holy Spirit that you would ignore him altogether, right? I want to show you what Francis Chan says in his book, Forgotten God. It's a book about the Holy Spirit. He has a quote that I think is really powerful. Can you throw that up there for me? Uh, his quote. Let's see, there we go. He says, if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, you can tell us this quote because I would never use that word. Um, one of my main strategies would be, watch this, to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. He said, if I was Satan and my goal was to stop the church from being the church, if my goal was to allow people who were moving and operating and functioning in the power of God, if I wanted them to get to a place where they were not seeing people saved and not seeing miracles happen and not seeing the world change and not seeing people love people like Jesus loved them, if I wanted to get the church goers to a place where they were not fulfilling God's plan for their life, my first step would be to get them to ignore the Holy Spirit because that's them voluntarily saying, God, no. I'd prefer you to do your thing beside me instead of doing something inside of me. The Holy Spirit is not essential to live the life that you have planned. But he is essential to live the life that God has planned for you. That's so good. 
I should say that and just leave. You know what I mean? Like, like listen, to, to do what we want to do, to do this thing that we have planned, this, this level of expectation that's nowhere near God's expectation, no, the Holy Spirit's not essential for that. I got to go to the grocery store. I want to go there with not slipping on ice. I don't need the Holy Spirit for that, right? But, but, but if I want to do what God has planned for me, then the Holy Spirit is essential. And here's why. Because the Holy Spirit is not just a Sunday thing. He's not just, look, I know you'll hear Jamal and the worship team, and they'll be up here, come Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. I understand that that, that's true. That's what we want. But he doesn't remain here. The church isn't the home of the Holy Spirit. You are. So when we say in here, come Holy Spirit, what we're really saying is come churchgoers, come guys and women of God, come and bring that anointing in here. He's not just a Sunday person. Listen to me. You need the Holy Spirit on Monday. When you're teaching kids in your class, when you're you're standing in front of a group of third graders, you need the Holy Spirit. Amen? When you show up to your job and you've got 300 emails from the weekend because everybody's unhappy and somehow that's your fault, you need the Holy Spirit. When you have a daycare inside your home, you need the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? When you're driving a concrete truck, you need the Holy Spirit. When you're at a lunch meeting, when you're in your cubicle, when you're parenting, when you have a newborn baby, when you're a single mom, when you're a single dad, you need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit Monday, Tuesday. Here's the best way to say it. When somebody says, when do you need the Holy Spirit? You say, just the days that end and why. Right? I need them every day. Day, every day. And Jesus says, this is why it's an advantage for you. Because I'm sending him. And if you will embrace him, he is available to you every day. He's available to you for every moment. And I know I said this, but watch this. I truly believe it. He's even available to get you to the grocery store safe on a patch of ice. He's available. So again, John 16, Jesus gives us three things specifically to why we should want the Holy Spirit. Three things that that the Holy Spirit does for us when we embrace the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here we go real quick. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit becomes our conviction. When when we embrace the Holy Spirit, when when we don't ignore him and we embrace him and let him do his thing, he becomes our Conviction. Can I, can, I, can I just get off base for a second? It's not in my notes, but I think we need to hear this. I think we would say that one of our problems with culture today is there's a lack of conviction, and it's because we've ignored the Holy Spirit. If we would learn to embrace Him, there'd be more conviction, and we wouldn't do some of the things we're doing. All right, I want to get off. I'm going to get there. I don't want to get off track yet. All right, watch it. John 16, verse eight. And when He comes, He being the Holy Spirit, He will what? Convict. <laughs> when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness, and judgment. All right, I had this thought the other day. Imagine this. When Jesus picked the disciples, these were like normal roughneck guys. You know what I mean? Some were fishermen, some were tax collectors. These were not like theologians. These were not guys that had, you know, masters in in biblical education. Like these were just normal guys. So it's almost certain that at some point they probably slipped up and said a bad word or two 
and they probably had an inappropriate thought or two. Am I right? So just imagine this. Imagine being there the first time that it's Jesus and Peter and John and Andrew, and they're all hanging out talking about how they're all fishers of men, and one of them let a cuss word slip. And they look over, and there's Jesus, right? Like, I've been to lunch with people before who've let a cuss word slip to me, and their reaction's hilarious. I can't even imagine what you'd be like if you were with Jesus, and all of a sudden you beep, ah, oh, my, my bad, right? Accident. And then I went a little further, and this is what I really loved. Imagine that first time that one of those disciples had that inappropriate thought. Don't know what it was. Don't know the context. But had that inappropriate thought, and they looked up, and Jesus was just like, you know what I mean? He's just sitting there like, what is it, Peter? What's on your mind? Yeah, that had to be terrible because they knew like, oh, Jesus knows what I just thought about Mary. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, oh, it just had to be terrible. Like, but he was their conviction. That's what he was. He was their conviction. I'll prove it to you. Remember when Peter stepped in front of him and said, you won't go to the cross? What'd Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. That's his way of saying, hey, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. That is not of God's will. He was their conviction. And when Jesus left, when he said, I got to go, the Holy Spirit became the one that now alerts us when we are about to do something that will displace Jesus. Jesus said, I was doing it before. When they came to me and said that my disciples shouldn't be picking wheat on the Sabbath, I would correct all that. I was the conviction then. But I'm leaving now because I have to go to heaven. And now I'm sending the Holy Spirit who is now the convictor. So when you do something that potentially will displace Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here to convict you. Now, listen to me, church. Conviction has got a bad reputation. We think conviction is God telling you you're a terrible person. That's not what conviction is. Here's the best way I can explain it. Conviction is the Holy Spirit giving us the opportunity, giving us the opportunity to avoid doing the opposite of God's will. That's what conviction is. It's not the fact that you're a terrible person. It's not that, oh, you'll never get it right. That's not conviction. That's condemnation. And the Bible says that no one who is in Christ Jesus will have condemnation. He's conviction. Holy Spirit saying, hey, 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 what you're about to do is going to get you out of God's will, and I want you to be in God's will, because God's will is where every, come on, come on back, come on back. The danger for Christians today is to pass the Holy Spirit off as our conscience, and it's because it's easier to ignore our conscience than it is to ignore the Holy Spirit. It's easier for us to go, well, I think that's just, I just don't feel right about it, than to go, maybe that is God telling me. Think about this. Maybe that is God telling me, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. When you do that, it's going to get you out of the will of God, and it's going to mess up stuff, and it's going to have impacts and ripple effects long more than you could even imagine. Don't do that. Darla and I had to go to Memphis not too long ago to, for her grandfather's funeral. And we were coming back, and it's a little bit later in the day. I had officiated the funeral, and we, we had just been going hard all day, so I was, I was really tired. 
and both, both girls are in the back seat. Uh, they're both watching shows or whatever, and Darla's doing work in the passenger seat, and I'm driving. And I didn't get tired, like, falling asleep, but I was zoning out. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when you're, when you're just on a long highway, you just kind of zone out. And I started to think about the sermon for that weekend, all, all that. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm, I'm, I'm zoned out. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm driving. I'm safe, but I'm kind of zoned out. All of a sudden, it was like, you know those things on the side of the interstate? You know what I'm talking about? They're just like these little indentions. They're so loud, so loud. I've accidentally hit one of those before, and Darla will wake up, like, if we're on a long road trip. She'll be like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, like, look at those things. They're ridiculous, like little potholes. And so, you know, I'd, I'd jump back over into the lane, and then 25 minutes would go by, and I'd be zoning out again, and I'll do 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 And it's so funny. Those things are there to say, like, hey, wake up. You've zoned out a little bit, and you're easing. You're not off the road, but you're starting to ease out of the lane that you are supposed to be in. So it, like, do 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 wakes you up to go, hey, hey, just get back over. This is the Holy Spirit. This is conviction. This is you zoning out a little bit. You're not a terrible person. You just had some stress. Somebody made you mad. You know, and you're starting, you're starting to get out of the lane that God wants you in. And the Holy Spirit goes, hey, 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 wake up, get back, get back over. He's giving us the opportunity to not do the opposite of God's will. Stay in your lane. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't post that. Don't comment on that. Don't, don't watch that. Don't listen to that. Don't go there. Don't talk to them. That's the Holy Spirit trying to say, hey, 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 hey. Don't worry about them. You are in God's will. You're in your lane. Stay in your lane. The Holy Spirit is there to convict. But when we ignore him, and you can justify it when you spookify him, and then you ignore him, and you, because here's the secret about the bumps on the interstate. If you can deal with the do, 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 do for just a few seconds, you'll actually get past them. And if we learn to ignore the Holy Spirit, if we learn to justify the fact that, well, he's just weird and I don't understand him, you will actually bypass the conviction and you will be completely out of the will of God and you will eventually go into other lanes. And stuff that will happen is way worse than you could ever imagine. The Holy Spirit wants to help us live righteously. I used to justify this by going, no one can live righteously. But that's, that's not the purpose. The Holy Spirit wants to help you get there. I get it. Paul says, I'm still running this race. I haven't got this prize. I understand it. You're never going to be perfect. It's not what we're talking about. But the Holy Spirit wants you to live righteously by staying in the will of God. And therefore, watch this, he has to be uncomfortable. He, he, he has to be because he's trying to keep you in the will of God. Therefore, he's convicting. Therefore, he cannot be comfortable. And then here was our favorite statement that I, I could not wait to tell you. He, he's not out to make us behave. He's out to help us become. His mission is not to make you behave. Well, I don't know about Christian faith, man. It's always about making me behave. Christ has never been about making you behave. Christ has always been about helping you who you were made to become. Right? And the Holy Spirit helps you do that. Don't get offended by the Holy Spirit. Don't get offended when something tells you, hey, listen, let me talk for a second off, off record for a moment. Some of you, the Holy Spirit is in the mouth of your wife. 
And when she tells you not to do something, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. I got a few amens. Some of you, it's that spiritual leader. You know what I found that's interesting? Is sometimes we will put spiritual leaders in our life to be the voice of God, but when they actually speak and convict, we run away from it. Because now all of a sudden it's uncomfortable. But how can we ever experience conviction with it being comfortable? Let me ask you this, and I promise I'll move on because I could talk on this all day. Um, If those little bumps on the interstate were comfortable, if they were quiet, do you think we'd get back over in the right lane? I don't either. God speaks through people. God speaks through your spouse. God speaks through his word. And it's all through the Holy Spirit to convict so that you will be uncomfortable and get back in the lane of God's will for your life. You're not a bad person, but we all zone out and we all get off track. And the Holy Spirit says, get back over. But if you can justify it and ignore it, you won't hear it. And you'll start doing things that are not what God has for you. And you will displace Jesus. Makes a lot of sense to why he would say it's an advantage to having him, right? Number two, he's our communication. So he's our conviction, but then he's our communication. John 16 verse 12 says this, I still have many things to say to you, Jesus says. I still have plenty to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of that truth. Jesus says, I still have plenty to say to you. I was thinking about this. These disciples were with Jesus for, let's just say, three so years. And there's definitely a lot of stuff that the disciples and Jesus talked about, and a lot of it's recorded in the Bible. But we could all assume, we don't have any real evidence of this, but we'd all assume that there was a lot of conversation that took place between the disciples and Jesus that was not recorded in Scripture. Right? I mean, I mean, there were, there were probably multiple times that Jesus was just talking to Peter about Peter. And, and, and the Bible is very clear. We're going to talk about this on Easter. Everything that John puts in the scripture is so that you may come to believe Jesus. So if Jesus was saying something to Peter that was just for Peter, it would make sense for it to not be in the Bible, right? So it's possible that Jesus said a lot of things to Peter, personally to Peter, personally to John, personally to Andrew, just as to them as he might've talked about their anagram, right? He's like, maybe you're an eight with a nine wing, all right? I, mean, I don't know what Jesus was saying to Peter, but, but what he's saying here is he's saying, hey, there's so much more to say, I have so much more to say to you. And so when Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit becomes the one who would now communicate to us because Jesus still has so much to say to us. The Holy Spirit is not just revealing what's wrong with the world. That's conviction. But he's also revealing what's right with God. That's communication of God. That's that's telling you things that God thinks about you. Right? So God is speaking to you through the Holy Spirit, something that may not be clear as day written in Scripture, but it's being presented to you, and you're feeling something, and you're hearing something. I have people come up to me all the time after sermons, and they'll go, man, when you said this, it was so good. And I'm like, I didn't even say that. Because I said something, and the Holy Spirit made them hear something because it was for them. So he is our conviction because he's telling us this is what's wrong with the world, but he's also our communication because he's telling us this is what's right with God. The Holy Spirit didn't just inspire the word. He illuminates it too. So let me explain a little bit in case you don't know what I'm talking about. 
The Bible's very clear that when Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, all of Paul's uh, letters, epistles, um, Acts, all these things, when it was written, it's very clear that, that the man, man wrote it with a pen, but that what they wrote down was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of what was written was written a long time after it happened. So it was brought back to their remembrance and it was inspired in them by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says that the Bible that you're reading is inspired. So the Bible, the word of God that is about God was inspired by God. Cool? So, so it's inspired. So not only, not only is the Holy Spirit here to inspire the word of God, but he illuminates it too. So that when you read it, you don't just read it but it transforms who you are. I really wanted an illustration for this. Like, how, how can I explain to them the difference in like reading the Bible and then reading the Bible and having the Holy Spirit illuminate it for you? And I was thinking about this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were at a Mexican restaurant. And, and, if, and if you've ever eaten at a Mexican restaurant, you'll know that a lot of times the waiters and waitresses will start to speak Spanish to each other. Y'all ever had that happen? Like you're sitting there eating your chips and they start to communicate to one another and they'll start speaking Spanish to each other, talking about something. And me, I don't know one lick of Spanish. And so I would just zone out. I, you know, I, I, it was just, it, conversation was happening above my head, but I wasn't even involved because I didn't know what they were talking about. Well, a couple weeks ago, Katie Carter, our missionary to uh, Costa Rica was in town. And we're sitting there, and we're eating some Mexican food, and this happens, and it's an intense conversation. Like, like the, the, the two, wait, the waiter and the waitress are having this intense conversation. And I'm like, and all of a sudden I remember, Katie knows Spanish. So I'm like, Katie, Katie, what are they saying? Like, tell me. And she's like, listening. And she goes, oh, do, 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 do. And she starts telling me the whole thing. She's like, well, he brought this plate and it didn't have cheese. And she would say, no, not that. It goes over here. And all of a sudden, it was like, I was like a part of their world. I thought I like, I, I felt. Like, I could speak Spanish, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, girl, tell him. Like, like normally, I'm just zoned out because I don't even know what's happening. I don't even understand those words. But all of a sudden, there was like this translator that could illuminate what, I, what was happening up here above me, and now I was like engaged, right? Listen, if you've ever read the Bible and gone, I, it's like somebody's speaking Spanish, I don't know what thou and thee and though. I don't know what any of this is. The Holy Spirit is there to illuminate it so that you can read it. Yes, there's translations. There's so many things out there to help you with what. But listen to me. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to say what God wants to say to you through what you are reading. Because he has so much more to say to you and to say to me. So, so, so we're almost done, but walk with me on this. Jesus says, listen. I gotta go. I gotta go back to the Holy. I gotta go back to the Father. And so I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And it's better for you that He comes. And here's why. Because every person that follows me will now be able to have conviction through the Holy Spirit. And they'll be able to get back in God's will when they start to get off. And second, everybody will have an opportunity for God to speak to them beyond what's just on paper. He'll be able to speak directly to them through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's better for you if I go and he comes. So he's our conviction. He's, he's our communicator. And then lastly, he's our compass. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide. He will guide you 
into all of the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Now, this is powerful. Please hear this. I said weeks ago that Jesus was constantly saying, everything that I say is not the words of me, but the words of the Father. If I go somewhere, I'm not going where I want to go. I'm going where the Father. If I do something, I'm doing what the Father. Now you're being told that the Holy Spirit won't speak on his authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Who's he going to hear it from? The Father. This is scripture telling you that although you have God, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all one. You don't have Jesus doing his thing and God doing his thing and the Holy Spirit. If, if one moves, it's how all wanted them to move. Make sense? So Jesus says, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's not speaking to you what, it, what he wants to speak to you. He's speaking to you what the Father spoke to him to speak to you. So it's all coming through one channel. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. I have said to you for weeks now that so much of our peace and our purpose is found in the will of God. But how do you know when you're in the will of God, right? And I started thinking these disciples with Jesus, they always knew they were in the will of God as long as they were what? With Jesus, right? Like, you know, if all of a sudden they were doing something and looked up and like, oh, where's Jesus? Like, oh, let's go get in the will of God. Let's go get Jesus. But now Jesus is leaving. Jesus says, I'm going, and where I'm going, you can't follow. So no longer will you know that you're in the will of God because you are on the tail of Jesus. That won't happen anymore. Now for you to know if you are in the will of God, you will have to check your compass. Who's the compass? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who guides you. The Holy Spirit is who convicts you. The Holy Spirit is who communicates to you. Yes, it's boldness. We're going to talk about that. Yes, there are evidences of it that might be strange. We'll talk about that. But Jesus says, pay attention. That's not what's important. What's important is that he's your conviction. He's your communication. He's your compass to keep you on the path, to keep you in my purpose, to keep you in my will while you're here so that you can experience life to the fullest. And that's while I'm going, so he will come. And no matter where you live and no matter what you do, the Holy Spirit will be with you. I'll never forget one, one Sunday morning, we're getting ready to record. It was during the, the pandemic had happened, so we were just doing kind of recording in the building. And I was sitting down, standing down here in the front, and the band was doing what they do, just incredible anointed team. And Andrew was down here working different stuff with his production team, and, and I was watching Jeff. And, and I, first thing I noticed was that Jeff had two microphones. So I thought, he must be double anointed. You know what I mean? Like, like they gave him two microphones. Jamal only gets one, but he gets two. You know what I mean? He's special. Um, and so I'm just kind of sitting there watching him. And, and, and so, so this is kind of the example of what I'm talking about. And, and he starts to talk into one of the microphones. And he, and, he, and he goes to sing, what I thought was sing, he was talking, and I couldn't hear him. I, I'm right here in the front, but I couldn't hear him. And so me with my you know, tech, tech, technical intelligence, see what I mean? Already off. Uh, I go to Andrew, and I said, Andrew, Jeff's microphone's not working. You can't hear him. And Andrew entertains my ignorance like he always does. And uh, he, says, uh, he says, no, pastor, that's a talkback mic. And I was like, what's a talkback mic? And so what he said is, he said, he's got this microphone here. This, this is the phone you, this is the one you sing in, right? So he's like, he has this microphone that he sings in, and then he has this one here that's the talkback mic. And he said, the band, over the worship team, Bree and, the, and, and Lucas and everybody that's Jeff, everybody's playing. 
that they have in-ears in, these little, these little really expensive things that go in their ears. And when he's talking in this microphone, they're hearing it. We're not hearing it. We don't even know what's happening. But they know it. So if all of a sudden they want to make some kind of move, if all of a sudden that he wants them to go up or to go down, or he wants to change this song, or, the, or he just feels the Spirit of God moving in this direction, he can talk here, and he can say something like, you know, go to this key. And now we don't even know what's happening. But all of a sudden, the entire band hears, go to this key. And so they're going to this key, and you're in the audience going, wow, they're so amazing. It's like they knew what he was going to do, and it's, oh, they're so prophetic. And what is it? It's because he's guiding them. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit knows where we're going. And so the Holy Spirit says, go left, go right, change the key. And the whole time, people who are watching you are like, they're so spiritual. They're so amazing. No, no, because the Holy Spirit's telling them where to go. He's guiding you. But here's the catch about the band, is they got to put the inner ear, in ears, in their ears, right? Bree can't come up on stage and leave her in ears over there and be jamming and just be like, go to a different key. And she's just... Right? She has to participate. She has to embrace them and put them in. Jesus says, listen, I'm leaving. And this Holy Spirit, he's coming. And he's to your advantage because he'll bring conviction and he'll bring communication and he'll be your compass. But you have got to embrace him. You've got to embrace him. You can't ignore him. He'll bring conviction, but you got to move back over when you feel it. He'll bring communication, but you got to set aside time to listen. He'll bring a compass, but you got to look to him for that direction. You got to embrace him. And then I was thinking this. I was like, okay, I want him. You want him? I want him. Yeah. All right, God, how do I get him? <laughs> like, what, do I fill out a connection card? Do I text to connect to the Spirit? Like, like, how do I? I want him. I want him. How do I get him? And here's the answer to that. Don't worry. He's included. When you immersed yourself in Christ, when you accepted Christ as your Savior and you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was included. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in a couple weeks, but listen to me. Because that's true, Jesus had to say things and do things to make sure to separate salvation and the Holy Spirit. Because salvation takes nothing from you. Salvation is a free gift. There's nothing you have to do to get, you don't have to do anything. You just accept Christ as your savior. That's salvation. The Holy Spirit, you actually have to do something to be able to embrace it. There takes some effort and some work. You have to embrace it. So Jesus said, I got to make sure that they're clearly separated because, and here's what he told me, you ready? He told me, this microphone is salvation. This microphone is the Holy Spirit. All right, all right, can, can, can you illustrate this one real quick? So talk in this one. S talk or sing or do something. Be pretty. Holy, holy. Sounds so good. <laughs> do one more. Do one more. Yes, Jesus. Now here's the catch. Everyone hears it, Right? Everyone's hearing it. That's salvation. Everyone gets the opportunity to find salvation in Jesus Christ. Everyone. Now, sing, now try to sing the same one in that other one. 
What happened? The only way we can hear that is what? We got to go get some in-ears. So salvation says, come back over here. Come back to salvation. Sing again. Everybody, if you're watching, salvation is available to you through what Jesus Christ did. But with Jesus included is the Holy Spirit. But you've got to embrace the Holy Spirit. You've got to listen. You've got to want him. You've got to desire him. You've got to listen to him. You've got to operate. You've got to participate. And Jesus says, listen. Obviously, you need salvation. He said, but don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Salvation covers us for when this time is over. Holy Spirit helps us live for God while we're here. That's so important. And I don't know how good of a job I've done. But if you grew up in religion or it's because you're in the South or maybe just because you're had a misunderstanding, and because of that, Jesus became spookified, and and you've stayed away from the Holy Spirit. Please hear me. Embrace him. Receive him. Do everything you can to listen to him, because that's what you need. And Jesus tried to tell us in John 16 that he was leaving, the Holy Spirit was coming, and it was to our advantage. But of course, none of that matters without salvation through Jesus. So I want to give two quick invitations. Number one, if you're watching and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's step one. So there'll be a number coming up on the screen. If you want to do that, I want to ask you to text that number, and that gives us the opportunity to reach out to you and to walk through some of those steps with you to talk about discipleship. And then, hey, look, if you're watching and you say, man, I think, I think my misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit is beyond what you've talked about today, Troy, and I, I really got some questions. I want you to text that same number. Let us know that, that you want more information on the Holy Spirit. Let us know that you just you want more scripture on that, more teaching on that. I just think it's, I think it's so needed in today's culture. I, I think, honestly, our problem today is lack of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to touch on something next week. Jesus starts to talk about oneness. And it's it's an incredible thing he talks about. And we will never get there without the Holy Spirit. So again, I don't know what your teachings have ever been. But I hope this helped you. I, I hope that maybe it gave you a little bit of clarity. And I hope that we as a church and you as an individual, that we can move forward embracing everything that God has for us. Especially the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word that is alive. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings that conviction, that illuminates your word, and that helps guide and direct us to make sure that we stay in your will. We thank you for salvation and the fact that everyone and anyone can experience that. But Lord, when it comes to your Holy Spirit, we have to participate. We have to embrace. We have to accept. We have to choose to walk in it. And when we do, it changes our life. And I'm convinced that the only thing that would help us experience the lives that we experience and say it's well with my soul would be the interaction with the Holy Spirit. 
So Father, like only you can do, take your word and illuminate it. Use it to transform a heart, transform a mind. Father, I pray you'd start to see a growth in your children, embracing and engulfing themselves with your Holy Spirit. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.